Coming up on this episode, the Warriors make their call on Dwight Howard. Which wing options are the best left available? And a little bit of a dive into Andrew Wiggins' scoring and how that may be improved this season. Yes, welcome back to the Golden State with Mates podcast. I'm up and about on this Monday morning, uh, Sunday night American time. It is officially Grand Final week here in Australia. We've got the AFL Grand Final on Saturday afternoon and the NRL Grand Final on Sunday. My Collingwood Magpies, who I'm going to be repping all week, we are through to the Grand Final, an incredibly close preliminary final on Friday night against the GWS Giants. Uh, Cannot wait. It is unbelievable for my team to be back in uh, back in a grand final. From a colonial perspective, it's been uh, five long years, I suppose. I know other fans have waited much longer than that, but uh, hopefully, it's a different uh, different result than what we saw in 2018 against the West Coast Eagles. But uh, for any Americans out there, I urge you to to check out the AFL Grand Final. Should be on, I think, about Friday night. Your time, I'm sure it'll be televised uh, somewhere. And uh, you need to get on the Collingwood bandwagon because we have got the only successful American player in the history of the AFL. That is Mason Cox from Texas. He is our Ruckman, 213 centimetres. Played pretty well in the preliminary finals. Played over 100 games now of AFL. He's the only uh, American to play more than one game in the AFL. So I think think as a result, all Americans really need to be Collingwood fans at this point with what Mason Cox has done an absolutely extraordinary story go and um, you know, search up Mason Cox on uh, on YouTube there's plenty of different documentaries and little clips and whatnot to kind of acclimatize yourself with him and the Collingwood Footy Club but anyway let's get on to uh, the Golden State Warriors because we've had some news here over the last few days. So on Friday, American time, uh, the Athletic Sham Sharania reported that the Warriors will not be expected to sign Dwight Howard or any other veteran centre prior to training camp, which obviously begins on October 2nd. That came as a little bit of a surprise to me and to most Warrior fans, the the reports that we'd had from... uh, Jason Dumas specifically in the days prior were that the Warriors were inching closer here to a deal with Dwight Howard and that the veterans, uh, assumedly Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and probably Chris Paul as well, had signed off on uh, on Dwight being added to the roster for the for- vacant 14th roster spot. And then obviously we saw the, the videos and images of Dwight working out in LA with Dre and CP3, which only kind of added to the idea that, hey, this is coming pretty soon. But instead, it went the other way with uh, with Shams reporting that the Warriors are not expected to sign Dwight or, as I said, any other veteran centre prior to training camp. That doesn't mean that something couldn't happen before the start of the regular season. Obviously, there's a, what, a 22-day period between training camp starting and then uh, the start of the regular season on opening night against the Phoenix Suns. So maybe something could still happen. We'll just wait and see. But at the moment, it's unlikely because uh, the Athletics' Anthony Slater also added that the Warriors' top priority now heading into training camp is for added wing depth, which is interesting to me. Obviously, they made the, their move for uh, Usman Garuba on a two-way contract last week. 
And maybe they think that's enough in terms of their big man rotation with Kevon Looney obviously uh, starting or maybe Draymond Green starting with Chris Paul um, starting ahead of Loon, but that's a whole different conversation, obviously. But Dre, Loon, Dario Saric, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, and Garuba obviously on that two-way contract. And it's really interesting, you know, if the Warriors do go with wing depth here rather than more big man depth, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of role Jackson Davis and Garuba play because that would give a sense to me that hey you know the franchise is pretty comfortable with those two young players or at least one of those two young players you know playing a role for the Warriors in spot minutes you know five ten minutes every third or fourth game whatever it is uh, this season so it's going to be interesting to see how those two develop and if they get some kind of role under Steve Kerr uh, early in the season as and as we progress forward here but as uh, as Slater said the added wing depth so for me looking at the options left available I'll start with Juan Toscano Anderson who is not a wing right he's, he's not a wing let's put that out there he's a four who with his recent three-point shooting, he's probably more likely to slide to the five and play as a small ball five, especially in the Warrior system, as opposed to sliding down to the three. So he's not a wing as such, but we know he's going to be at training camp. We know Kent Bazemore is going to be at training camp. I still do think, and before the Dwight news, uh, before the, the inkling that Dwight was going to get signed, that you know my thought has been that JTA has always been kind of in... Um, at the front of the pecking order when it comes to this 14th roster spot, just because of what he provides off the floor more than anything. But in terms of actual wings specifically, uh, I, I spoke about him before uh, with the, the reports a couple of weeks ago that the Warriors had held workouts with him, but Jalen Noel is probably the one that is the most talented uh, player of the the uh, wings left available, averaged over 10 points, played a, a pretty significant role with the Minnesota Timberwolves last season, has played a pretty specific um, role with them off the bench over the last two seasons. So I think he is certainly the most talented and probably the best player available for Golden State as a wing uh, at the moment. But we'll just wait and see whether or not they're comfortable with him. I do, you know, I do wonder at six foot four where whether or not the Warriors need another smaller guard type uh, who, you know, is probably going to try and push your minutes over a Moses Moody or a Gary Payton second. You know, do we really need that as such? I don't particularly think so. But as I said, it's a wait-and-see game. A couple of other options here. Uh, players that the Warriors have been linked to. Baysmore, I spoke about briefly there with JTA. Look, he's 34 years old. He's been out of the league for a year. His previous stint before that with the Lakers was pretty bad. I just don't know. I've said it plenty of times this offseason. I just don't know what le- what he's got left in the tank uh, to provide as, you know, albeit in a limited role, yes. But I'm just, I just think there's better options available than Kent Baysmore. Will Barton is the other one that's held workouts with the Warriors. I don't mind Will Barton, and if they go down that track with him, again, is it a player they need? I don't necessarily think so. I think he he just take Moody's or push for that push for taking Moody's minutes, and I'm just not sure that's necessarily worth it. I think Moody has got. Um, obviously a lot more upside than Will Barton, and he's probably just as good a player right now as Will Barton would be. But I don't hate it. You know, his three-point shooting has been down the last couple of seasons, but I do think you're getting back into a good system in Golden State with the three-point shooting threats around uh, him. I do think he could get a lot more wide-open looks and therefore bump his three-point shooting back up above 
league average, which he, he really would need to do to be an effective player, that's for sure. I don't think defensively he's offering too much at this point of his career, albeit you know he might not be a necessarily a disaster on that end of the floor. But you know his off-ball work, his catch-and-shoot, um, cutting to the rim, that's the stuff that's really going to make him an effective NBA player at this point of his career, whether it be with the Warriors or elsewhere. And then a few other players that haven't necessarily been... Um, Linked to the Warriors by any means, but uh, you know a potential wings in terms of who's left available here. Terrence Davis is probably the one that interests me the most, just because he's had a couple of really good moments for Sacramento against Golden State in the past. Uh, he's just a player that just frustratingly seems to be able to come off the bench and give you eight to ten points in in a few minutes, kind of thing. I feel like he's done that against the Warriors a couple of times. 13 minutes uh, he averaged with the with the Kings last season. Shot 36.6% from three-point range, so not too bad. Again, he probably feels the Barton mold of, you know, is he really worth it? Um, you know, a little bit like Noel as well. I, I just, at this point, which players are worth it to be able to, you know, try and push ahead of Moody and GP2 in the rotation? I just don't think that's going to happen. And therefore, as, as I keep speaking about it, I think what you bring off-court-wise is just as important as what you do on-court-wise as well. Uh, Terrence Ross, I'm not, I'm not a big Terrence Ross fan. I'm just not. I never really have been. He's been on pretty poor teams in the past. Played for the Suns, obviously, um, late last season. Was okay, but I'm just not. He shoots 42% for his career from the field. And he's not really, he's not a defensive presence. And he's not a playmaker. Like, I just, I'm just not a big Terrence Ross fan. He's a good player in NBA 2K. He's athletic. He can dunk. He can shoot. I mean, that's fine. But really, his overall numbers and impact Again, I just look forty-two percent from the field, and you're not a great defender, and you're not a playmaker. What are you? What are you doing for me? Not too much. Uh, TJ Warren, look, talented player. We all remember what he did in the bubble, where he basically turned into prime MJ. But since then, since the bubble, forty-six total NBA games. Just injuries after injuries. Unfortunately, a lot of foot issues for TJ Warren, which is a shame because you know he was an impressive uh, forward for the Indiana Pacers across. A number of seasons there and had that magical period in the bubble which was absolutely incredible uh, but since then not too much impact so really outside of that they're the players I've kind of come up with as players that are at least maybe in the conversation I don't think anyone else outside of that Stanley Johnson has held workouts with the Warriors as well but he's a bit like JTA for me he's more of a, a four who may slide down to the five in the Warriors system rather than you know four that slides down to the three so uh, yeah, it's just, you know, Jalen Noel, Terrence Davis, Terrence Ross, TJ Warren, Will Barton, Kent Basin. Well, they're kind of the players that I've, I've come up with here in terms of the best wing options available. I still think that JTA is probably the player that I would take, but if I was going after that, I'll, Noel and Barton would be my next two off a list, I think. Uh, and then, you know, ba- the likes of Baysmore, Terrence Ross, Warren are probably at the bottom of the list for me. But we'll just wait and see. What happens? It's obviously going to be a training camp battle. Uh, by the sounds of it, you know JTA is going to be there. Kent Bazemore is going to be there, and we probably should hear something in the next week or so about uh, other training camp deals as players try to battle off for this 14th roster spot. And of course, there's a two-way contract available for the younger players as well to try and add to Lester Quinones and Usman Garuba. So I've just finished up an article for Blue Man Hoop about half an hour. It got published about 
half an hour, 45 minutes ago. So go check it out if you haven't already. But it was to do with Andrew Wiggins and his game going into this season. Obviously, uh, a pretty sporadic year for Wiggs in 22-23, playing just 37 regular season games, missing time with injury, missing time with the personal issues. uh, And, of course, getting that rib injury in the playoffs, which really hampered him late as well. But... Obviously, from a Warrior perspective, plenty of optimism uh, around Wiggs and what he can provide this season with greater availability. And obviously, with that, the team should just be better with having Wiggs available for hopefully an extra 30-plus, maybe close to 40 games. Uh, You know, he's been an incredibly durable player uh, across the course of his career before last season. But just looking into some of the, the kind of advanced stats on Wiggs a little bit, and particularly to do with his scoring, and we know that, you know, his development from an inefficient scorer in Minnesota to an, a fantastic off-ball threat catch-and-shoot player with the Warriors has been absolutely outstanding. And his reputation as a player in this league has just multiplied tenfold uh, in the positive direction, uh, you know, becoming an all-star in 2022, um, arguably being, you know, was the Warriors' second-best player in the 2022 playoffs behind Steph Curry. Absolutely fantastic. Not only that, his work on the defensive end of the ball. We all know the kind of growth that we've seen from Andrew Wiggins over the last few seasons since being traded to the Warriors in 2020. But I just wanted to go into his isolation scoring a little bit because with, you know, Wiggs, as I said, he's gone from inefficient scorer uh, where he was asked to do a lot in Minnesota to you know an off-ball threat uh, in Golden State where he's playing alongside Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know the playmaking of Draymond Green as well and you know for the most part that's a fan that's a great thing the fact that Wiggs has you know kind of largely removed the inefficient shots from his game you know the tough contested mid-range jump shots you know shots you know off the dribble kind of thing but I do think Looking at last season, I do think that the Warriors didn't utilize that element of his game enough. Where by the end of the second round of the playoffs against the Lakers, and yes, Wiggs, you know, had that rib injury, and, and by the end, you know, he was really hampered by that, and he probably couldn't have helped in any way, regardless. But the Warriors really lamented their lack of shot creation and shot making behind Steph Curry and their offense just didn't produce enough against the Lakers to be able to win that series in what was you know still pretty close you know six games a couple of those games particularly game one and game four could have gone in the Warriors direction and maybe the Warriors win but the big issue was the offense right behind Steph and I just wonder if they could have utilized Wiggs a little bit more than what they did uh, before obviously the, the rib injury occurred and he's no Kevin Durant we know that but I, I do think that Wiggs, you know, being long, athletic, the kind of talented scorer he is, I think that the Golden State Warriors could utilize him a little bit more uh, in terms of, you know, being able to go and get a bucket, you know, particularly late in the shot clock when the offense is flailing, when there's not too much going. And if you look at his numbers kind of in isolation plays over the last few seasons, there's a real trend that's developing here. So if you go back to, to last season, Obviously, you know, missed 45 games, we get that. But in the regular season, he was fifth in isolation plays behind Steph Curry, behind Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Jonathan Kaminga. Now, he shot just 26.7% on isolation plays, so not good at all, not good. And from that, you'd think, well, why do we want this guy to get more isolation plays? Because it's clearly not working. 
Well, if you go back to the, the year before, Wiggs' all-star year, uh, second best player on the championship team. He was third in isolation plays behind Steph Curry and Jordan Poole, and he shot 39.3% from the field in those uh, in those situations. And then if you go back to the year before that, 2020-21, he was second behind Steph and shot 47.8% from the floor in uh, isolation plays. So... Basically, the trend is over the last three seasons here is the more isolation opportunities that Andrew Wiggins gets, the more efficient from the floor that he will be in such situations. And I just think that we shouldn't pigeonhole this player because he's developed into such a fantastic off-ball threat, a catch-and-shoot guy. I don't think we should necessarily pigeonhole him into that. And him being fifth in the pecking order last season in terms of isolation plays just simply isn't right for a, you know a guy of his magnitude of talent. Now, could that shift a little bit this season with Jordan Poole going out? Maybe, but then you know Chris Paul comes in and the way that he you know runs the offense, his heavy pick and roll style, you know that's not necessarily going to lend itself to Wiggs getting more isolation opportunity. But you know my, my whole argument here is that I think Wiggs has got a lot more in his bag than just sitting on the wing, you know, cutting off ball occasionally and just then being wide, you know, um, ready for, you know, wide open catch and shoot three-point attempts. You know, that is predominantly going to be his game, yes. But I just think, you know, particularly late in shot clock opportunities, I think he's the guy you, you want to be able to go to. You know, there's less than 10 seconds on the shot clock. There's absolutely nothing going here for the Warriors offensively. Give the ball to Andrew Wiggins, right? Let him make a play because I think that he's still got, elements of shot creation, shot making in his game that, as I keep saying, haven't been utilised uh, with the Warriors effectively enough last season. Years before that, yes, uh, and probably because you know Wiggs had to do it more in, in 2020-21 when Clay was obviously out and because you know Jordan Poole wasn't the player that he became in his third and fourth seasons in the league. But it's just a little bit of a fascinating, I think, story to follow here as we head into this season is, you know, how much can Andrew Wiggins improve his scoring? And yes, we want to retain the efficiency, and that's probably the most important thing. But, you know, I think, you know, he's 17.1 points per game last season. Could bump up, you know, closer to 20 a little bit uh, and potentially, you know, get back to a second all-star berth maybe if that were to eventuate. So just a just an interesting little subplot, I think, to follow with Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors offense heading into this season. But other than that, guys, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, you can uh, catch me on Twitter at POC252. That's P-O-K-252. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube yet, would uh, love for you to be able to do that. It would be fantastic. Uh, and, and also follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I'll be back in a couple of days. Looking forward to the season ahead. As I said uh, earlier in the episode, we've got training camp opening on October 2, so I'm sure uh, through Media Day and everything like that, we'll get some answers to a lot of the questions that uh, have been surrounding the Warriors this offseason. But other than that, guys, uh, get on the Collingwood bandwagon for this week, uh, the grand final against the Brisbane Lions, and I'll, I'll catch you soon.